Welcome back, listeners, to Dairy Science Digest. This is a podcast designed to bring the Journal of Dairy Science straight to the ears of dairy producers. I'm Reagan Bluell with the University of Missouri Dairy Team, and each month I feature a fresh new research article that's in press waiting to go to print in the Journal of Dairy Science. And for the June edition of our podcast, our research scientist, Dr. Farah Reto, joins us today from Wisconsin to discuss his article titled, The Effects of Season, Variety, Type, and Trait on Dry Matter Yield and Nutrient Composition and Predicted Intake and milk yield of the whole plant forage sorghum. So really what that title means is that we're gonna be looking at forage sorghum, sorghum sedan grass, and really breaking down, is there an effective season when you plant it? Is there an effective variety? And these effects that we really wanna look at is the nutrients that drive both intake and ultimately the milk yield of your dairy herd. And so let's talk a little bit more about the plot work that's happening out there in Florida for the last 11 years. Before we get started, could you please introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah, absolutely. First, thanks for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure being able to discuss a little bit of the research we have been working with. My name is Luis Ferreiro. I'm a ruminant nutrition extensionist with University of Wisconsin-Madison. And our goal is to learn and disseminate information related to forage quality and digestibility, as well as carbohydrate utilization by uh, lactating dairy cows. Fantastic. Okay. And so could you describe the plot work occurred out in Citra, Florida? So down just south of Gainesville over 11 years, could you describe the, the plot? What'd you plant? Yeah, of course. So this was a retrospective study where we collected all the data from the routine hybrid trials that the University of Florida conduct. And basically, we got all this data that reflects multiple years of hybrids of either sorghum forage or sorghum sudden grass that were added by companies. Okay? None of those hybrids we decided to include in this study. Those were hybrids that were routinely added to those 11 years of research by the companies that had interest adding their hybrids to this trial. And each planting was have four reps. You looked at all the parameters that are relevant to dairy cows and, and what we need to know as nutritionists on how to feed this forage or integrate it into our dairy herd. But we know we can trust it because over many years of plot work and many replications, it's a robust data set. And so let's see, the, the field staff worked each week to determine dry matter and would harvest these plants at about 32% dry matter. And the cut height was 25 centimeters. And for those of you that are not metric related, that's going to be a cut height of about 9.8 inches. So a little higher. And let's talk a little bit about what you found. What were some key takeaways? As you mentioned, uh, yes, we had four plots. Something very unique about this study, we actually had two seasons for the hybrid trials in Florida, the spring season and the summer season. The spring usually was planted sometime between end of March and mid-April and harvest primarily early July. And then the summer season was planted sometime in the middle of July and then harvest late September, sometimes October. We measure a lot of different things. Yeah, you mentioned the cutting height. We use a standard cutting height across all hybrids so we could actually compare them 
Okay, uh, it doesn't mean that's the perfect cutting height for each dairy. Uh, I think each dairy has to define what is best for them. And we measure a lot of different things. Our main goal was to measure nutrient composition. So obviously we had group protein, NDF, starch, ash, but we also wanted to understand a little bit more of digestibility. So we analyzed for in vitro NDF digestibility. And with this, all this information, we were able to start analyzing and predicting what is the true value of this forage for lactating dairy cows. If we could delve in a little bit more on these different varieties. You had 300 forage sorghum varieties and 137 sorghum sedan grass hybrids. Could you very briefly here in the beginning describe what it what's the fundamental differences between forage sorghum and sorghum sedan grass? I, I think some listeners might not know that difference. So basically forage sorghum, it's sorghum that is primarily used for forage production and it's an intermediate between southern grass and grain sorghum, right? Grain sorghum used primarily for the production of cereal grains. The southern grass is actually a smaller plant. It's actually very good for hay production mm -hmm. as well, right? The forage sorghum is not very good for hay production. Southern grass could be easily used for pasture as well. Okay. And the mixture of forage sorghum and southern grass is basically an intermediate plant between forage sorghum and southern grass that can be used for multiple purposes, mm -hmm. right? So basically, I think the main differences between those two, if we want to keep it simple, it, it would be plant mm -hmm. size and the amount of grain in those plants. Forage sorghum would have a little bit more grain than the sorghum southern grass. Uh, as it's closer to a grain sorghum than the sorghum southern grass. And I, I think in general, there's a there's quite a few dairy producers that maybe have had some historical workings with with sorghum. And I guess as you're listening in, I want you to consider reconsider sorghum in your in your forage platform. In that these are not your grandfather's sorghum plants. Uh, they've gone through a variety of different breeding programs and the tested companies are listed here in the article and there's a link to the article in the podcast, but it's all the big hitters. It's all the big sorghum breeders and they have made some really nice progresses with, with these different forage varieties. And one of the improvements, of course, is the BMR and, and most of the listeners should be very familiar with the brown midrib variety. Um, and so there is a BMR variety of sorghum and within these varieties planted, about half of them were BMR. And so really looking at the statistical analysis of the digestibility of summer versus spring plant and BMR versus non-BMR and forage sorghum versus sorghum sedan grass. And so there's really three major analyses that you were looking at and then the relationship within. And I love that we get the opportunity, the primary author here was an, a ruminant nutritionist because I'm, I'm really looking forward to you describing how these nutritional differences that you observed over season, over variety, over BMR, how does that impact our dairy herd and her productivity? Yeah, that's an outstanding question. The, the BMR, we decided to include in this analysis because similar to corn, BMR is a natural mutation of the sorghum plants, right? And have been used more and more during the genetic selection of sorghum plants. So, But if we use the corn uh, knowledge we have about BMR plants, 
Very often, what we see is that PMR plants, they produce a little bit less, sometimes a little bit less starch, okay? And I'm talking about mm -hmm. corn for now, but the cows produce more milk because they are able to consume more. And some years ago, a researcher from the USDA, their Ford Center, actually run an analysis with lactating cows with all these studies in the literature and showed that BMR sorghum actually could hold production similar to corn silage. So it is a great trait to have, but like everything else, there are pros and cons, right? So our goal with this research was to try to understand what are the pros and cons of having BMR or non-BMR within Ford, Sorghum, or Sorghum, Sudan grass, and those two different seasons that we had. So if we look at season first, basically what we learned was during the summer, we had lower yields and slightly worse uh, nutritive value for sorghum plants. And to be really honest with you, this was mm -hmm. expected, right? Because if we think about crop production, the more stress that you add to a crop, harder is for that crop to properly grow and develop well in terms of nutritive value, right? So we knew this would happen, especially knowing the environment that we had at uh, Citra, because we knew that would be very humid. We knew that we would have a lot of pressure with different disease, and consequently, those plants would have to stand for right. themselves, right? In my opinion, uh, I think that our production was very good for the summer, and my take home is, even though sorghum production the summer yields less biomass and is likely worse nutritive value than in the spring, I think for those producers that have two crops a year, having sorghum during the summer, I think is still of great benefit. You bet. Because those, because those plants were extremely tolerant. They produce very well. I couldn't include that in this paper because it's a subjective analysis, but we had agronomists going to the field and evaluating the degree mm -hmm. of disease for those, those sorghum plants. And we actually had very few years where we had a plot where the disease basically took over the plot and compromised an entire plot. Wow. Yeah. Because I think that overall yield is one of the attractive parts of of planting sorghum varieties. If you have some acreage, you can get quite a bit of yield in a, in a fairly quick window that can help a bunch. This podcast is going to be released about two weeks before your summer planting typically was happening in this 11-year trial. And so a lot of the results that you can speak about for the summer is going to be very applicable here in two weeks. And so I think that's really relevant to folks. As I've often seen sorghum be a bit of a a pivot plant sometimes. Um, we're experiencing very wet conditions here, and there are some producers that have not yet gotten their corn silage planted, and they're starting to squirm because we know the yields are going to be moving. Do you think that forage sorghum is a, is a replacement for corn silage? I do think, especially the BMR for sorghum, of course, that we have to be careful with yields as well and make sure we have a, another source of starch, right? Because if you use our results as an example, our average starch for Ford sorghum was about 16, 17 percent, mm -hmm. right? And with corn silage, we often get numbers like 30, 35 uh, some farmers, 40%, sure. right? So so we have to keep in mind that 
it's not a one-by-one replacement, right? It requires a lot of adjustment in the diet. But yes, I think it's a great option. Uh, as I mentioned, there, are, there is research that support the diets based on sorghum silage BMR actually is able to produce the same amount of milk as corn silage diets. So it's definitely a great option. And from our perspective, the NDFD that we observed for our studies were actually quite decent, right? It was about 50% NDFD. Mm-hmm. Uh, for corn silage, uh, very often we see 55, 60% NDFD. So I don't think it's too far behind. And I think we can formulate very good diets with this type of crop. Yeah, that, so. And so NDFD, of course, is neutral detergent fiber digestibility and analyzed over that 30-hour interval. I'd I think it's, it could be an option in a, in a pinch, but definitely work with your nutritionist. As he was saying, those starch levels can really change and they change fast relative to how you get it harvested. And so make sure you're working with your nutritionist to understand that starch and how it will change in the rumen relative to the rest of your ration. So great, great input. So retroactively, when you grabbed all of this data, looked at the data of the yields and the nutrient values of these plants and then you compared it relative to what would that intake effect be for the cows can you describe how you predicted intake for lactating cows yeah i think that something that is key about forage quality is that the nutrient composition as well as the ndf digestibility has great impact on the cow ability to consume feed, right? In other words, what we know for many, many years is that if you have greater fiber digestibility, the cows will have greater intake and with greater intake, they will be able to produce more milk, right? So knowing that we had a lot of differences in NDF digestibility across seasons and sorghum plants, we decided to evaluate what could possibly be this impact to the lactating dairy cow. So recently, some equations were developed to be added to the new NRC that is now called NASEM, N-A-S-E-M. So basically, we use those equations to try to predict dry matter intake. I think something that is very neat about those new equations is that it allows you to predict the intake for cows producing different amounts of milk, which actually makes a lot of sense, right? Because if you think about that, a higher producing cow probably will benefit more of having a more digestible forage because that cow very likely reaches that rumen fuel effect that inhibits her consumption and consequently production. Yep. So basically what we did is we arbitrarily decided we wanted four different levels of production. We started with approximately... 70 pounds, and then we added about 20 to 25 pounds. Okay, so we had four layers. So the lowest was 72 pounds of new production, and the highest was about 140, 150 pounds of milk. So when we did that, we expected that the benefit of NDF digestibility would be greater mm-hmm. for the highest producing cow, right? And actually, this is exactly what we saw right? A comparison between fiber digestibility for the lowest producing animals, we didn't see a lot. The predicted intakes, they were actually quite similar across all different forges. But as we reached the second, third, and highest milk production, the more digestible forage increased intake, which to us is very important because from a diet formulation perspective, 
this is very important to make sure the animals will be able to enough. consume mm-hmm. enough to fulfill their needs. Something that uh, I should have mentioned earlier is that those predicted equations, they actually account for the effect in the diet. Okay? It's not just the effect of the forages. Uh, accounts for all the different forages in the diet. So in this particular case, we use one diet that was actually formulated with corn silage. We had the nutrient analysis for the other forages. So this specific diet that we use for the simulation is actually not that high in sorghum forage, right? I think we had about 30 to 35% sorghum in the diet compared to what sometimes people would feed maybe up to 50%. So the more sorghum you add to the diet, greater this benefit would Sure. And I guess in practice, as you're in the barn feeding this, I'm quite curious if you maintain uh, that corn silage in your diet, you can maintain those starch levels that are going to be more beneficial and available to the rumen, while perhaps getting this very digestible forage opportunity if you use the BMR or even the, the dwarf varieties, and resulting potentially in an improved milk fat. It'll be neat to see how this actually feeds in the barn, but these hypotheticals looking at at both crude protein and the starch limitations to these forages there on table a1 is is really impressive i love that part of this paper because really ultimately our job as dairy producers is to ship white stuff down the road and if this forage is going to limit your cow's ability to consume and therefore produce we got to take that into consideration and so I think it might sound like a broken record, but I keep saying you, you ought to reference your nutritionist and your, your forage consultant to, to find that sweet spot. And you know, I think your comment was on spot uh, in terms of the different nutrient composition of corn silage and sorghum, you know, and uh, the potential to improve milk fat or milk protein, because, you know, very often when we go through research, we expect to see a one-to-one replacement, right? And that's not a fair replacement because we are working with two very different fit ingredients, right? That's right. Uh, so at the end of the day, the true comparison is it may be one-to-one, but with an adjusted diet that respect individual characteristics of those crops in terms of all the other nutrients, not only fiber digestibility, and consequently allow you to produce uh, not only milk, but uh, fat as well as protein that are also very important, right? So Yeah, absolutely. When you were looking at yield, I know a lot of times there's discussion about the BMR varieties impacting overall yield. Is there any detail associated with yield with season effect and, and BMR effect? Yes, we actually found a lot of different effects for dry matter yield. And the BMR effect was as expected, right? BMR sorghum plants, regardless of if they were Ford sorghum or sorghum sudden grass, and regardless if it was in the summer or spring, they produced a little bit less dry matter per area, right? This was expected and is very similar to what happens with corn silage. So, so we were not really surprised by that, right? I think uh, the difference was about one and a half, two tons per acre. So it is a considerable difference. So the recommendation for using or not BMR for sorghum is, do you produce enough forage? So it's fine to use mm-hmm. that. If you don't have enough area to produce enough forage, then you have to consider using either part as BMR and part as non-BMR or not using BMR, right? So we have to understand the pros and cons 
of those different technologies in order to properly establish that. And that's how we suggest for corn, right? It's not unusual to see some dairies having two different silos, a convention and a BMR, and feeding the BMR, which is more digestible to their high producing groups, right? right? So it could be an option for that. Uh, in terms of forage sorghum versus sorghum sudden grass, the sorghum sudden grass actually produced a little bit more than forage sorghum during the spring and was virtually identical during the summer, right? So from a biomass perspective, a lot of these sorghum sudden grass that were tested, they actually yielded better than the forage sorghum. However, this was to the expense of quality, mm -hmm. right? It was, the nutritional value was slightly worse for sorghum sudden grass than for sorghum. So I think it fits perfectly with what we discussed about BMR, right? BMR brings greater quality at the expense of yield. And I think the same was observed for the for sorghum versus sorghum sudden grass, right? The tricky thing for each dairy operation is to determine where's that sweet spot between right. quantity and quality that they can afford to make their decisions. And unfortunately, there is not a right or wrong answer there. And each dairy has to be based on their own right. uh, benchmarks and goals. So what we suggest is work with your crop specialist, crop consultant, as well as nutritionist to determine what are your goals, what are your needs, and what could you do to optimize that scenario? Well, you did find a greater crude protein concentration in the paper said greater crude protein concentration could offset some of the BMR yield. And so, like you were saying, just work with your nutritionist and your crop specialist and make sure that you're you're meeting the needs of your herd. If you were to have the ears of a nation of dairymen and you wanted to make a recommendation about these sorghum forages uh what what would you say as far as when would you recommend relative to season and and variety what what would you tell them to plant definitely if you are able to grow two crops consider sorghum as your second crop uh, i think it brings a lot of advantage compared to other crops it's more resistant to disease very often more drought tolerant uh, than crops like corn Okay, so it could be very good. So that would be my first suggestion to consider and give it a shot. For those of you that have only one opportunity to grow a crop for silage production, I still think sorghum is a viable crop in many areas. Okay? You have to think about your goals and needs. If you can afford to have a slightly smaller yields, but greater nutritive value. In my opinion, BMR is the way to go because it will be more digestible. The cows will consume more and produce more milk. What else would you like to address or make sure that dairy producers know? Of? The only last piece that I would mention to you is that the milk production predictions, it actually complements quite nicely the dry matter intake data that we had. Mm -hmm. uh, as expected, those forages that had greater fiber digestibility, which led to greater intake, had greater potential per unit of fort, right? Something that is important to remember, however, is if you have greater fiber digestibility and greater intake to produce more milk, it means that those cows are consuming more of your forage inventory. Mm -hmm. So you have to have better planning, right? Mm -hmm. So that sweet spot we discussed multiple times throughout this podcast becomes even more important because yeah. sometimes you are producing less and the cows are consuming more. So changing forages 
you know, and switching hybrids requires adequate planning. And, you know, as you mentioned, there is a whole team that has to be involved in those discussions so you can make the best informed decision you can for your dairy. You bet. Fantastic. That's where the rubber meets the road. And I appreciate your time talking with us today. And can I send one last message? Yes, please. Yeah. So, so for everyone out there, you know, uh, during planting as well as harvesting, please be aware of your surroundings and remember that safety first, right? We want to make sure you go back home for your families. At the end of the day, that's even more important than anything else that we discuss. So I hope you stay safe and, uh, and have a great crop year once again. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Well, Luis, this has been very informative, and I want to thank you for your time. Listeners, I applaud you for taking time out of your day to learn about what questions to ask when determining the right sorghum variety for your herd. I've really enjoyed our conversation because, frankly, this high-quality homegrown forages is such a critical topic behind full farm financial success. And so this has been the June edition of the Dairy Science Digest, which is a monthly podcast designed to bring the Journal of Dairy Science straight to your ears. We highlight peer-reviewed research articles in press in the Journal of Dairy Science. This is sound science to base your management decisions around, and it's provided by your University of Missouri. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe to get future editions straight to your cell phone. This is Reagan Bluell with Dairy Science Digest, and have a great day. 